91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. We commemorate February 19, 1942, the day President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, authorizing the U.S. government to forcibly remove and incarcerate families of Japanese descent from the West Coast. Tom Ikeda, founding executive director of Densho Project, sat down with me in February of 2020. The Densho Project collects oral histories of Japanese Americans who were impacted by the incarceration. There was one interview in particular that I remember early on, and when I saw the video, I recognized him immediately because he was one of my high school teachers. I went to Franklin High School in the Rainier Valley, and Frank Fuji, who was the art teacher at Franklin High School, was also the basketball coach. And so I knew him more as the um, Franklin High School basketball coach. He won the Metro Championship, so he was well-known there. But he was also known as this really upbeat, positive guy, always with a funny story. And his classroom, which was kind of like an art studio, was oftentimes a meeting place for students after school. We'd all hang out there, and Frank would be there and doing his artwork or students doing artwork, but just you know telling stories. And we had done his story. I didn't really know his story that well. And he described how his father, who was a community leader, was picked up on, I think, the day after December 7th, 1941, and taken by the FBI and, and placed in Department of Justice internment camps. And Frank, at that point, was, oh, about 12 years old. And I think it was right before he went through puberty, so he was small. And he was separated from his father for about three years. So uh, so Frank went to the Tule Lake concentration camp. His dad you know, went through a series of Department of Justice internment camps. And after three years, his father was finally released from the Department of Justice camp and then sent back to be with the family at Tule Lake. And Frank is telling the story. And then he says, oh, so dad's coming back. And as he's telling the story, it reminded me of almost getting ready for one of Frank's funny stories. He's going to tell a funny story about his dad returning, I, th I thought. And so he talked about how his dad you know, came back, and yeah, he looks a lot thinner, more tired, much older. I think his hair had turned white. And he came to the uh, family barrack apartment, and friends and family were there. And he talked about how his, how his father would go around the room and, and just sort of smile and acknowledge the people in the room. And he would go around, and when he came to Frank, he looked at Frank and said, and who's this boy? You know, I still get moved. As Frank was telling the story, I mean, he, was, he, he had his, his, his smiling face. But at that point when he said, who's this boy, you, you could see his face just, you know, just crumble. And tears come to his eyes because you, you, you recognize how difficult it was. And he's telling this story like 70 years after the fact. And you can still see the trauma that that caused, that separation for him to have his father not even recognize him. Because Frank said, you know, he had grown like four or five inches and he had become a young man and his father didn't recognize him. And Frank, afterwards, I, I talked with him, and he was so thankful that he was able to tell his story because 
in many ways, by sharing that story, it helped him just heal, you know, recognizing that pain. Because in many ways, his happy-go-lucky demeanor, I think, was a shield for you know, lots of the pain that happened. And I think ever since then, Frank has, has told me he's told that story more and more. And I think that's helped others also. But it's stories like that with people that I grew up with, I knew in the community, and yet I didn't know them. And this project, these interviews, allow them to share stories that in many ways were just sort of hidden and and not shared until we started asking these questions. When I first started the project, I said, you know, documenting the history is probably the most important thing we can do and make sure it's going to be around for generations. And that's the name of Densho, you know, to pass stories on to future generations. But what I've come to realize, it's really the healing aspects. And going back to the Frank Fuji story, by him sharing that, I could tell from that interview and talking to him afterwards, it was really like a weight was lifted off their shoulders, that this pain by sharing it helped him process and heal from it. And not just the person we interviewed. And now having done this in Seattle with hundreds of, of people, I think it actually impacts the whole community. I think as you start sharing these stories and people know it's okay to tell them, not just okay, but we honor these stories. We cherish them. We're going to preserve them. They're so important to learn from that not only the individuals and families, but we see the community healing from all this. And that was really important. And that probably is the most surprising thing from doing this project. Thanks for listening to KBCS Music and Ideas. We take you back to the Tom Hartman program.